Bibles tonight and go to the book of Luke, chapter number 16. Luke, chapter number 16 in your Bibles. If you're thankful for the Word of God tonight, would you say amen? amen. His wonderful book, divine. Amen. Amen. Anybody glad they're saved tonight? Amen. Glory. Amen. Luke chapter number 16, we're going to go ahead and get right into the text. Uh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best to uh, be shorter than the pastor preaches. I knew I'd get at least one amen, all right? Uh, but I know, it's, I know it's midweek, I know it's Wednesday night, and uh, I know everybody's got work tomorrow, and so uh, we're going to do our best to... Uh, give give some things out of God's word, and then get on to the house. But uh, Luke chapter number sixteen, and and if you'll find your place down in verse number nineteen, is where we'll find our place. Luke chapter sixteen, and verse number nineteen. The Bible tells us there was a certain rich man, which was clothed in purple and fine linen. And fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. Notice this, church. Don't miss this. Verse 23. And in hell he lift up his eyes. Not some party. It was not some sort of celebration. But this hell that the Bible speaks of in this passage of Scripture is a very real place. And in hell he lift up his eyes being in torments. If you don't have that word lift circled in your Bible there, understand this, that is a present tense word in the English language. Uh, I believe with all my heart that that man, sadly, and I say this with no joy tonight, but that man, the rich man, is still in hell as we have church here tonight. He lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot. Neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. 
Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let him hear them. And he said, Nay, father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. You all know the story and the passage of Scripture that we are reading from tonight. As we find our place here in Luke chapter number 16, it is the story of the rich man and Lazarus. I want to say this to you tonight that uh, I believe with all my heart that, uh, of course, we understand that Jesus was speaking a parable. uh, But I I want you to know tonight, and I I believe this with all my heart 100%, that uh, many times as Jesus would teach and preach parables, uh, yes, those were not necessarily true factual stories. Uh, they were those earthly stories with heavenly meanings. But I would submit to you tonight that the rich man and Lazarus, yes, it was a parable. Jesus was trying to teach something to the disciples here in this passage of Scripture. Uh, but I believe this was a literal, actual story That was taking place. You say, Brother Zach, what exactly do you mean? And how could you uh, prove that to me? Well, nowhere in any other parable uh, would Jesus use actual names in those parables. He he, he referred to Abraham. He referred to Moses. Uh, He said Lazarus. Uh, These were actual people. Real people. And I believe this was an actual physical account that really took place. And, and so we, we know the story of the rich man and Lazarus. And if you've been in church for any length of time, you've heard this story preached and heard this parable taught many times before. Uh, but just by way of introduction, I want us to notice some things at the beginning of the text tonight. Uh, I, I love this. I, I want you to notice uh, there were some things that Uh, that Jesus gives us here in verse number 19 on the earthly gain of this rich man. What what was this rich man's worldly status or earthly status? Uh, it, it, It differs very much so to that of the beggar named Lazarus. I want you to notice this. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day and If you begin to study that verse out, you you begin to understand and know that purple and fine linen always spoke of royalty as that of a kingly sort. And uh, the rich man, we understand by the passage of Scripture, uh, he was rich. He had a lot of earthly gain. He uh, didn't have to worry about food or uh, where his next meal was going to come from. He, He didn't have to worry about if his... Bills were going to be paid for. He didn't have to worry about finances or uh, anything like that. But from an earthly, a temporal standpoint, if you will, tonight, uh, the rich man did indeed fare very sumptuously. Uh, He didn't have to worry about the things that this man named Lazarus had to worry about. The earthly gain of Lazarus differed very much so to that of the rich man as we understand and we see in verse 21. It gives us a little bit of insight as to what this man had to deal with. It says, and there was a certain beggar named Lazarus 
It tells us he was a beggar. That speaks of Lazarus' occupation, if you will. That was his job. Uh, And it tells us a little bit as to why. It says, which was laid at his gate full of sores. There was really nothing else that he could do occupation-wise. Verse 21 says, And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. Lazarus here, we understand he didn't have an actual job. Uh, He didn't have an actual occupation, a means to make money, if you will. Uh, As a matter of fact, his occupation, as we read, was that of a beggar. As a matter of fact, Lazarus, he was so poor, Scripture tells us there, uh, that he had to try to eat the crumbs from the rich man's table. Uh, He was eaten with the dogs. He had to compete with the dogs there at the rich man's table just to find his next meal. So we understand and we see that the earthly gain of the rich man was very, very different than the earthly gain of Lazarus. I guess what I'm trying to say tonight, church, is uh, from an earthly, a worldly standpoint, uh, the rich man, he had a whole lot more than that beggar named Lazarus. Uh, Lazarus uh, couldn't light a candle to the rich man's 401k. Uh, Lazarus uh, didn't have anything uh, to brag about, earthly speaking and worldly speaking. Uh, but what we come to understand and realize is that uh, from an earthly standpoint, Lazarus didn't have a whole lot. Uh, but from an eternal standpoint, he had a whole lot. Uh, he had a whole lot more than that rich man would ever have, sadly, tonight. Uh, he, he, Lazarus, he, he didn't have a whole lot. He didn't have money. Uh, he didn't have a, uh, the, the nicest clothes and the greatest things. Uh, but he was one that was saved. And he was one that is spending an eternity at the feet of Jesus right this very moment. And I want to say this to you tonight, church, that uh, in the grand scheme of things, uh, on an eternity-type scale, uh, at the end of it all, it's not going to matter what type of car we drive. It's not going to matter what type of house we have. It's not going to matter how much money we can make. Uh, It's not going to matter all those temporal things. What's going to matter tonight is if you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. If you're saved, if you're a child of the King, you have a whole lot more than this world could ever offer you. You have a whole lot more than the devil could ever uh, bargain you with. And I'm thankful to know tonight that I may not have a whole lot down here on this earth. Uh, I may not have uh, the the nicest things or the uh, the greatest things. Uh, Hey, I may have a muddy driveway, (laughs) uh, but there's coming a day when I'm going to be walking streets of gold. Uh, I'm going to be looking at those pearly gates and those walls of jasper. You know why? Not because of the work that I put in down here on this earth from a temporal standpoint, but because I place my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That's what's going to matter at the end of it all. I want to say to you tonight, if you're here and you're lost, if you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, there's never been a time in your life where you've asked Him to come into your heart and save you, then sadly you're going to be in the company of that rich man. Hell is a very real place. 
Don't, don't, don't let the world influence you to think that, that hell is some party with your friends or uh, hell is just some big gathering where you're going to listen to music and, and drink and, and go out and do things. It, it, it's nothing like that. The Bible tells us that hell is a place of torment. The Bible tells us that, that uh, hell is a place of heartache and darkness and defeat and it's a place of total and utter disarray. Hell is a very real place tonight. And uh, if you do not get saved, then your destination, you are headed for that place. It's a real place. So we see just by way of introduction, there were some differences between Lazarus and this rich man from an earthly, a worldly standpoint. So we see the earthly gain versus the, uh, the eternal gain. Uh, then we see, I want you to notice, the I love this, the, the feebleness of Lazarus. You see that in verse number 20. The Bible tells us that he was laid at his gate, at the temple gate there. In other words, uh, somebody had to carry Lazarus there to the temple gate. Somebody had to get him there. He was not physically capable of getting himself there and getting to and fro. He had a physical incapability, if you will. Uh, But you know what? I I, I believe that he's doing right now. I believe he's walking and talking. I I believe he's walking. Uh, He might be running. Uh, with Jesus, he, he, but, but he don't have to deal with that physical incapability no more uh, because he received that new body, uh, uh, that new mind. Uh, all things were made new as he entered into Abraham's bosom on that day. And so I, I just want to encourage you with this. Maybe you're here tonight and you're dealing with some sort of health issue. Maybe you're dealing with some sort of physical incapability Uh, Maybe you have a a friend or a loved one who has cancer tonight. Uh, They don't know if they're going to make it uh, much longer. Uh, Maybe you have a a friend or a loved one, or maybe it's even yourself who uh, you deal with those aches and pains each and every day. You deal with that arthritis on a daily and hourly basis, maybe. Uh, But there's coming a good glad day if you're saved tonight, if you're a child of God, uh, where you're going to be given a new body. Uh, You ain't going to have no more cancer. You're not going to have to deal with those health issues. You're not going to have to deal with those physical incapabilities. And I'm thankful to know tonight that uh, we are going to receive some things all made new one day. Isn't that wonderful to know? But we we notice, and and I'll begin this. I don't know if I'll finish this message tonight necessarily, but uh, maybe next time. But I, I want you to notice some things as... The story continues and we find the rich man, as the Bible tells us, in hell. We find some things there in hell that, and I I know I'm going to lose some of you here, but if you'll stay with me, I promise, uh, I hope it'll be a blessing to you. We find some things in hell that we need in our churches. Say, Brother Zach, what in the world do you mean? Uh, what, what in the world are you talking about? Uh, what in the world is, is Brother Jai, has Pastor Farmer done uh, letting you get up there behind that pulpit? Well, let, let me take a minute to explain some things here. But I believe we find some things 
in hell that we need in our churches. Let me take you along here with me. I want you to notice the first thing I believe that we need desperately in our churches. We need sight. We need vision in our churches. Notice what what we find there in verse 23 in hell. And in hell he lift up his what church? He lift up his eyes and seeth Abraham afar off. This this rich man we find that uh, he had clear vision. He had clear sight. He was able to see some things clearly. And you know what I find very interesting is I find it very interesting that the rich man, he got to hell and the reason why I believe he was finally able to see some things clearly is because he finally got his eyes off of his self. He finally got his eyes off of uh, what, how much money he was making and all those things concerning himself and was finally able to see some things clearly. I believe that's what we need in our churches tonight. We need to be able to cl- see some things quite clearly. Look, if we're going to have revival, pastor's been preaching about it, been preaching about pride. A thing, the things that kill the church. And, and I'm afraid where we are placing our eyes in this day and in this hour, we've got our eyes and our minds too much affection on ourselves. We are too full of ourselves. And uh, look, I, I hope and I pray you don't think I'm preaching to you. I'm preaching with you. Amen. Uh, or at you. I, I'm preaching to myself tonight. Uh, but but we, we understand that uh, what it took for the rich man to finally see some things clearly, to finally open his eyes to the reality of some things, it took hell for this man to see some things clearly, to get his eyes off of his own self, uh, to get his eyes off of anything that had to do with him. Uh, but what is it going to take for you and I tonight to get our eyes off of ourselves and start looking on Jesus? Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. What's it going to take for us to have that clear sight, that clear vision that we need if we're going to see revival in this land? If we're going to see revival take place in this world, what is it going to take to get your attention tonight, uh, to get your eyes off of your circumstances, to get your eyes off of uh, yourself and lift your eyes toward heaven and to finally be able to see some things clearly. I believe there's some things here in hell that we find that we need desperately in our churches. And one thing, we need sight. We need sight. We need to be able to see some things Clearly, what else do we find that I believe we need in our churches in this passage of Scripture? I believe, secondly, tonight we find there in verse number 24, we need prayer. You say, Brother Zach, is there a such thing as prayer in hell? Won't you look at the verse 24? And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. He cried. Cried out to him. Sounds like a prayer to me. Sounds like a prayer to me. Uh, And I believe uh, that that that's what we need in our churches. 
when the rich man got to hell, I believe he had himself a show enough prayer meeting uh, taking place. Uh, and of course, as we just mentioned, it, it took a drastic change. Uh, it took hell for him to, to see some things and to understand some things. But uh, I want to say this tonight, that I'm afraid that uh, you and I in this day and in this hour, we've come to a place of contentment in our prayer lives. Uh, how's how's that, that, that New Year's resolution coming when uh, the, 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 that decision that you made uh, to pray more, how is it going right now? Uh, I, I believe we've been too satisfied uh, to, uh, in, our, in our prayer lives with uh, just the, now I lay me down to sleep and I ask the Lord, uh, just, just a, a, a simple short prayer to God. We, we become too satisfied with that. But I believe that we need a revival of the prayer meeting in our churches. Uh, we need revival of the prayer meeting. Jeremiah chapter 33 verse 3, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people, that's you and I, that's the saved, the saints of God, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. Second Samuel 22 verse 4, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from mine enemies. I'm just trying to say tonight that this rich man, he cried out to Abraham uh, in a prayer for mercy. Uh, but I believe that we need a revival of the prayer meeting in our churches tonight. We need to pray more. We need to seek God's face more. We need to call on God more. Uh, not for our status, not for our state, but uh, for the state of the lost and dying world. Uh, for our brothers and sisters in Christ, bearing one another's burdens. I mean, we need some more prayer in this place. We need to pray and call on God more in our churches. We see sight. We see prayer. I want you to notice third tonight. And I'll end here. What are some things that we find here in hell that I believe we need in our churches? Well, there was a thirst here that we find from the rich man in verse 24. And I believe we need more hunger and more thirst in our churches. Notice verse 24. And he cried and said, Father Abraham... Have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. No doubt, knowing what hell is like and knowing what the Bible tells us concerning hell, it's a place of t torment, it's a place of fire, uh, it's a hot place and there's no water to be found in this place. And so it goes to, to understand and know that no doubt this rich man had become thirsty, physically speaking. This rich man, he had an intense desire for some water. He was thirsty. And I'm sad to say tonight that we've lost our thirst. We've lost our desire to do something for God. To hunger and thirst after righteousness. I'm talking about a desire to do something for the Lord. Let me remind you in Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 6, the Bible tells us, Blessed are they 
which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. If you'll hunger and thirst after righteousness, what's the Bible tells us? We'll be a blessed people. We'll be a blessed people if we will do some things. For the rich man, he was thirsty for water, we understand. As God's people, we should thirst after righteousness. Our natural tendency, and I I believe you would all agree with this tonight, our natural tendency for anything in our lives is we always want more, don't we? We always, uh, we're not really ever satisfied. And and I know that's a, look, I'm with you tonight, that's a constant uh, thing that I'm working on is to learn to be content, right? Uh, but, but sadly, tonight, all of us, our natural tendency, our fleshly tendency is man always wants more. And we do indeed live in a more generation. We live in a more society. We always want more money, don't we? We always want more possessions and we want a bigger house and a faster car and we want better clothes and we want a nicer truck. Everybody all right? <laughs> uh, we, we, we always want more, but wouldn't it be good tonight if we wanted more in our walk with God? If we wanted, if we thirsted, if we had a desire for more in our service to God, if we wanted more in our worship to God, and how much and how often we praise the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. God help you and I to never be satisfied with casual Christianity, but to come to a place where we can hunger and thirst for more in our love for God. We, we, should, we should desire, we should have that thirst, that, that goal, that uh, burning desire to want more in our walks with God, in our love for the Lord and how much time we give Him, and the things that really and truly, church, we know we, know we need to be doing. But we're too concerned with other things. We're too concerned with uh, our own wants, and our own desires, and our own goals, and, 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 and making more money so I can get to this, and, and building a bigger shop, and, and having a bigger house, and having the finer things in life when really and truly we need to be focusing our efforts, focusing every fiber in our being into more, uh, better and, and bigger relationship with God. How can I serve Him more? How can I give financially more? How can I praise and worship Him more? That's what we ought to be thirsting after. So we see some things here in hell that I believe we need in our churches and we see that there's been sight here. We need a clear vision. We need to be able to see some things clearly. Need more prayer. This this rich man, he cried out to Abraham for mercy and you and I need to be crying out to God for help, for comfort, for grace. Need more prayer. And then we see there, there was a thirst after some things. He, he wanted some water, but I believe you and I tonight, we ought to thirst and hunger after righteousness, after the things of God. 
And I believe if we'll do some of these things, I, I believe we might see God do some things. I believe we might see God do a work. I believe we might see God grow Gateway Baptist Church. I believe we might see revival in Clarksville, Tennessee. We might see souls saved. We might see people come back to the Lord and redeemed and repentance and those things. I believe we'd see revival if we'd come back to a place of some things that we find in this passage of Scripture that we ought to be doing. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you'll all stand to your feet tonight as Miss Michelle comes to the piano and get ready for invitation tonight. Let me ask you this question. Are these things that we've mentioned tonight, are they, are they evident in our church? I, I, I believe they are in our church. But let me ask you this. Let me go a step further. Are they evident in your own Christian walk with God? Do you have clearness of sight? When's the last time you cried out to God in prayer? When's the last time that you thirsted an intense desire for the things of God? Let me encourage you tonight, examine yourself, as Paul said. And as we, as Miss Michelle can, begins to play piano tonight for this time of invitation, as the Lord deals with you, you deal with Him as you see fit. You do business with God as He does business with you. And this altar's open. Let me encourage you, if you're here tonight and you're lost, you're, you're on your way to a literal place called hell, a place of fire, a place of torment, a place of chaos, a place of darkness. Let me urge you strongly, do not walk outside these doors before you talk to somebody about getting saved. You won't regret salvation. You won't regret an eternity in heaven. So if the Lord's talking to you tonight, this altar's open. You do business with Him.